Can we just pray right there where you're sitting? Jesus, you are holy. Jesus, you are holy. You are worthy to receive praise today, Jesus. Lord, we don't come into this place just to go through routines and rituals. God, but you have ordained praise and you have ordained worship. Lord, and we give you of ourselves our praise. We give you our worship of ourselves. Jesus, we long to show our devotion to you. God, it's in our human nature to want to praise and to want to worship. Lord, that's why we return it to you today. That's why we return it to you, God. You've been good to us, Lord. You've been good to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I encourage you, enter a place of prayer right now. Enter a place of prayer where you're alone with God, but we are entering as a body today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Holy is the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I was wishing I could get a glimpse of what Joseph was like in those 12 years whatever the number of years was that he was in prison. We get, we get glimpses of the highlights of the days where something happened. And we know on this day there was a dream. And we know on this day there was a, a, a servant and these different things that happened. But there's a whole lot of days that we don't see, don't read about. <laughs> Elder Hardy even mentioned after those dreams, okay, it was just a few more years and then he found himself in the palace. A few more years. A few more years. When you look at the story of Ananias and, and, and Saul, and the Lord's talking to Ananias, he says, he's, Paul, Saul is a chosen vessel to me, and you're going to go to him because I have to show him what great things he must suffer. What great things he must suffer for my name's sake. What great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He was showing Joseph some great things you're suffering. I get the picture of the, of the, of the prison cell with the chalk on the walls. One day, two days, three days. Marking them off. But he's suffering great things. For his sake, for the Lord's sake. Even Jesus, it says, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. It causes me to re, to, to, re to, to, to look at the things that I'm going through in a new lens, in a new light. Am I, am I, am I being dragged? Okay, Lord, <laughs> or am I suffering great things for his namesake? <clears throat> it's, 
if I am suffering great things for his name's sake, then I, I get a, a renewed sense and a renewed purpose of it's okay to suffer. It's okay to be in this prison one more year. It's okay to go through another day of wondering all day long, did he forget about the dream that I interpreted? <laughs> you ever think Joseph had his own dream? After he interpreted these dreams and goes to sleep, oh, maybe this is the day that he's actually in, in the presence of the king, in the presence of those that can do something about my situation. And he wakes up. No concrete walls. Where's my chalk? Okay. Another day. But he's suffering great things for the Lord. Why don't you pray? Jesus. God. Into your hands we surrender our spirit today. Jesus, we ask you that you would take control. And Lord, whatever that means for me, whatever it means for my life, I'm giving it up to you. Jesus, I am okay with knowing you and the fellowship of your suffering. Because it draws me closer to you and it makes me more like you, Jesus. And I know that there is a purpose. I know that there is a purpose. In the name of Jesus, living for God is not supposed to feel like suffering. It's not supposed to be a thing that we dread. The Lord's helped me with this in my own perspective because if I'm not careful, even when I'm, when I'm given the microphone and I think, I'll, I'll prove to them, I'll prove to them that I'm living for God because of how hard my life is. That's not doing anything but making you not want to live like I'm living. If I'm honest, if I just, oh, let me tell you about my week. Let me tell you about the hard week that I had living for God. He, I, I don't even know if he was there on Tuesday at all. I kind of think he's here today on Sunday. He's, he must be. That's not doing anything for anybody. I'll say it one more time. That's not doing anything for anybody. You're, if you're approaching witnesses that, it's not doing anything for anybody. Be ready to give answer for the joy that lies within you, the hope that lies within you, what it is that you have that somebody would actually want to attain. I have hope because I know I'm in the prison cell, but I know I'm not here to stay. I know that he wasn't there on Tuesday, it felt like, but I know that Wednesday came and he was there and Thursday got a little bit better. And the hope that I have, it's in the, it's in the promises of the Lord. It's in the scripture. You, you know what as well as I do, when you see somebody that's about to ask you for money. 
You know it as well as I do. When you see somebody, they, they're not in the place they're supposed to be, first of all. They're standing outside this door when everybody else is going in and out, coming, going. They're standing on the side of the road when everybody else is driving by, walking by. And they're just looking. What can I get out of whoever it is that's going to give me something? I do not want that to be my approach to other people. Lord, I'm here wanting to reach somebody, wanting to share the gospel. I'll just stay here. People are going by, entering in and out, going about their day. Here's a brother. Hey, how you doing? I don't know what you got on you right now. I don't know what you got on you right now. Uh, it, it would Do you think maybe, would you care? <laughs> Where's the hope in that? Where's the joy in that? My Lord, help us. Jesus, in your name. God, I pray, restore right now the joy of our salvation. God, that we would be ready to give answer to the hope that lies within us. Lord, I believe you're going to put hope in us today. I believe you're going to restore joy today. In Jesus' name, I'm going to invite Brother Jason Gibson to come and greet you, share with you, whatever, follow the leading of the Lord. He's not a stranger to it. He's been doing it the last three days. It's good to have him here and his family. Let's make him feel welcome. We've got two key phrases at our church. The first one being, it is what it is. It is what it is, Brother Caleb. When something goes wrong, it is what it is. And one we picked up over the past couple of years, Brother Screenover, is in the light of eternity, what does it really matter? And you think about things in that perspective. And I've often thought about Joseph. And one thing I thought about when you were talking, me and Elder Hart were talking about this this morning earlier, is he never sought him to tell him how upset he was that he had forgotten him. He had to have that it is what it is mentality. Yep, I had to pick the chalk up one more day. And I had to put another mark on the wall. But you know what? In the light of eternity... What did it really matter? Because the Lord restored him. Restored his family. Gave him all hope. In light of eternity, the problems that you're facing today don't matter to a hill of beans. They really don't. The only way they can matter is if you make them matter. You're the only person that can give your problems weight in your life. Am I wrong? We're the only ones. Satan cannot give power to my problems. 
He can plant a seed. He can put a thought in my mind. He can start the process, but it's up to me to decide whether or not, oh, I'm going to take this. I'm going to put it in a pot, and I'm going to put some miracle grow on it, and I'm going to water it, and I'm going to grow this problem in my life because it, it's a problem. And I know people that love problems. They can't function without problems. And they want to share their problems. They're kind of like the beggar on the side of the street. You see them when you go the other direction because you really don't want to know about their problems. I don't want to function that way. I don't want to have a problem. I don't want to have a season in my life that says, that's going to turn me, Bishop, to, in the opposite direction. And so in light of eternity, if I have to pick up the chalk, and put another mark on the wall. It's just another mark on the wall. It really doesn't matter. Because as long as I stay the course. And I keep my eyes focused on my maker. I'm going to be able to stand before him one of these days. And hear those words. Well done. Not my good and you thought about living for me every once in a while servant not my oh well you know you didn't hear me on Wednesday so you didn't show up on Sunday servant but well done my what good and faithful servant let's stand and pray one more time Lord, I empower power right now into these lives. Jesus, Lord, your voice to speak into situations that are going on in this room. Lord, that only you know about, only you know the things, only you know the decisions that are being made in this room right now. Lord, I speak your power into their hearts and into their minds right now, Jesus. Lord, I pray for your anointing to flow down over them from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet. Lord, I pray that they stand feet firm in the situation that they're in, that they face their problem and they take their finger and put it in its face and says in a light of eternity, you're not going to be able to destroy me. You're not going to be able to destroy my family. You're not going to be able to destroy my neighborhood. There is not a devil in hell that can come against me in my walk with God today because I've got a power and a confidence and a belief that I've been buried in his name and I've been filled with his spirit and he can guide and direct my footsteps. Lord, you can give me an anchor to hold on to whenever a situation arises in my life. Lord, that I know that you're going to make a way. Come on, keep praying for a minute. The Lord's here. He's going to lift some burdens right now. He's going to lift some burdens right now. If our God is for us, he aramasatahara ye aralahai. He aramasahate akahataye. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. The scripture says, weeping may endure for a night. Weeping may endure for a night. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen, you can be seated. This is not a pause meeting, but I'm, gonna about, I'm about to bring up our next speaker. Amen. You believe in the leading of the Holy Ghost? Amen. I'd like to invite Sister Schoon over, and she's going to minister to us today. In Jesus' name. I looked up a um, story I remember. I actually taught it many years ago when I was doing um, chaplain service at a hospital. And um, I'd come across this poem. You've probably heard this, but you know the song... Oh, love of God, <laughs> I'm not a singer, so, but um, it's, oh, love of God, how rich, how pure, how marvelous and strong. Do you know that song, Sister Jester? It's a beautiful song, and the thing about that song that, stood out to me as, as there's, we keep going back to that prison and the writing on the wall. It's an amazing song, and it talks about the love of God. And the song has been around for, for many, many years. But the third, the third verse of that song was actually found in an insane asylum on the prison wall. And it was been years ago I taught this in a chaplain service at, at Good Sam Hospital in Puyallup. And I can't remember the name of the prison, but it's, it's, a, it's a, like a prison where just all the bad people went to. People aren't bad. But all the people that did heinous crimes went to in New York. And they were there for a long time. And there was a certain part of it that if you had uh, some type of what they would consider a mental disorder. You went to that part. And they found the verse of this song that someone had scribed on it. And um, they took it in the, and they included it in one of the songs they wrote. And it says, could we with ink, would the ocean feel, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. You're hearing the song now. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That's 
what they wrote on that prison wall. They weren't counting. They had stopped counting the days. But somewhere along the way, they just decided, it's me and my maker here. And so I'm going to get to know my maker. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Google this song after church today. Go to Spotify, wherever you want to go, and put in Kelly Willard sings at the love of God. It will bring you to your knees. And when you hear the third verse, remember that person, for whatever reason, that was in that prison, wrote that. They had relationship. They had relationship. We had a great prayer and fasting meeting. And it's really hard to make everything. But what we do have for Life Church, just a little advertisement, is you can go to our website and you can listen to all of the services. And what you're going to find is not a canned sermon, not a, a put together perfect sermon, but you're going to hear the hearts of our men sharing and ministering for three days. And so I would encourage you, connect. We need to connect and 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 listen to these podcasts. Uh, Elder Hart, um, anybody, many people here know how to get there. So it's very easy to do. When I was there uh, praying and fasting, I was reminded of, of, I was watching, it seemed like miracles being done all around me. And sometimes there's miracles and then this, sometimes there's that journey of restoration. And there's a story I want to share today what happened. I was reminded uh, when we were there. Uh, brother, there was a number of people that talked about uh, the pressure, and there was also the uh, messages about an anchor and how we had to cut that anchor and let it go. And it took me back to a prayer and fasting meeting that I was at probably 20 years ago. It was quite some time ago. So I we were already pastoring in Puyallup. We'd been to a number of prayer and fasting meetings. And you know, when you're like the pastor's wife, and you've been doing this for a while, and you're reading, and you're praying, and you're going to early morning prayer, and you're fasting, and you're on this, you know, five-day fast with your husband. This isn't your first rodeo. You've been to these five-day fasts before, and so you realize you take mittens because your hands are going to be freezing. You take uh, maybe a little pillow because Brother Bishop Rye is going to talk for four or five hours hours straight and you take socks you wear your boots even though it's you know summertime or whatever because you're going to be hungry and cold and tired and I do all I can do but not say to my husband I'm too old for this I'm supposed to be the frail one but I would always go with them and I would fast and I would pray and so you don't think you have all this stuff because you've been doing this for a while You've been doing this. I was at this one prayer and fasting meeting, and I was praying. And I'm not the kind of person that, like, when you pray, I have this vision, and I'm struck by lightning. And, you know, it's this big, loud voice, you know, picks me up and, you know, speaks to me. I wish it was like that. I really do, that it was just that clear. But I was praying, and I saw this really big, large field 
I was reminded about this, what happened years ago at this prayer and fasting conference. And it was very dark soil, and it was a very fertile soil, and there was like an old-fashioned plow, the kind you would kind of see behind a horse, with a big thing in the ground, and it was plowing this field, and all of a sudden it stopped, and it wouldn't go any further, and it got stuck, and it kept working and working and working, and it finally plowed up this huge rock that you could not see at the first look of the field. The first, the first vision of it was just a beautiful large field ready to be planted with very fertile, dark soil. This is way before we ever thought about farming. So this is like out of left field. And this big rock that came up. And I prayed over it and I broke. And the Lord revealed to me that that big rock was this issue that I had with God. And it was anger. And it was every time I prayed, not prayed, but every time I fasted for someone to be healed or just plain old fasted period, I would get mad. Well, I would. But I thought, always thought it was, what is it, that new word they use, hangry? <laughs> I was really hungry, therefore I was angry. And so I was hangry. I just always thought that's what it was. So in going back from that, I spoke to my husband and I spoke to a couple of elders and it was a slap in the face. It was a reality check. It was a complete deliverance that I needed on that day at that significant moment in time when I thought I had dealt with all my issues. I didn't have anything hidden. I was that perfectly plowed field. I'd been doing this for a while. Okay, reverse back, go back like say six, seven, eight years. Maybe it was nine years. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. I loved my dad so much. And I loved my mom. And they were just the most awesome people. I learned so much from my dad. He taught me a really good work ethic. He was a very hard worker. I grew up on a farm. And that's what we did. I spent my summer peeling trees, the bark off of trees, because we were going to build a fence with that tree. We worked hard. I learned so many cool things from my dad. I also learned how to mix a whiskey and Coke from my dad, vodka and tonic, how to cuss if I needed to. I learned so many wonderful things from my mother. And at the age of, I had so, I have so many, uh, I resemble my mother. I look just like my mother. I have the height of my father. I have the dark skin when I tan of my, my parents. They were both Cherokee Indian, registered Cherokee Indian. I do not know why Ancestry says that I'm 68% Irish, but they were Indian. 
so many things I've inherited from them, good and bad. And so they talk about this thing, you know, there's the body, soul, and spirit. The body, I inherited a lot of the body. The soul, the mind, the heart, the personality. Those things my parents taught me. The learned behavior part of me. And then there's the spirit part of me that only came from God and God breathed spirit into me. I had to have that spirit breathed into me. And it did happen when I was born. But it was when he breathed into me the second time the spirit that came and dwelt within me and the Holy Ghost. And now I have this growth in my father, my spiritual father. So I had learned this. I was living with my father when I got saved. He had spent a lot of money for, a lot of money for me to learn how to do things that we don't do in the church. right down to how to put, you know, your makeup on, went to this certain kind of school. He really invested some money, and he knew all about holiness Christians. And he was not a hamper, happy camper. When I told him I got the Holy Ghost at a United Pentecostal Church, <laughs> are you kidding me? I would go home from church, and he would mock me and speak in tongues. While he was drunk, he'd come in my room in the middle of the night, one o'clock in the morning. Good night, honey. I love you. He was just like, he was such a redneck. And that was my dad. I loved him so much. Crazy Oki from Muskogee. That was my dad. I loved him. I would share with him the word. I finally moved out because he was giving me too bad of a time. And I was living for God for a number of years. I married my husband, started having children, tried to have a relationship with him. Tried to tell him, you can't use those kind of words when you come over and visit my house, Dad. I have little children. I love you. I want to know you. So one day out of the blue, my dad had always said, on this Father's Day, my dad had always said, my dad died of a heart attack at the age of 50. So I'm going to die of a heart attack at the age of 50, probably. Oh, his dad did too. My dad's great, my dad's grandfather died at the age of 50 of a heart attack. Then his dad did. My dad would always say that when he's drunk and just yelling and just that. Ah, I'm going to die at 50 of a heart attack. So my dad did, my grandpa did. Dad didn't have any heart problems. Been 50 for three months, had a major heart attack. They brought him back to life. There's a really a lesson on faith there. Faith goes both ways. What you speak all your life. There's good faith and there's bad faith. Words are powerful. You set things in motion by the words that you speak. He had a heart attack. My husband was in Costa Rica or Puerto Rico. Um, I took, I, we were living in Sila at the time. My girls were very small. I drove to Olympia, Washington, to that hospital. And you see, when my dad was growing up, I loved my dad so much. I was the oldest. I always took care of him. This crazy guy from Oklahoma 
that wanted to take on all the hippies and talk them into cutting their hair. He just wanted to, he was just like, he was that kind of a guy. Handsome, good looking, hard worker, drink whiskey every night and want to argue with you. So what would I do? I would protect him. I owned his stuff. If something happened to my dad, I took care of him and I covered up for him. Whatever happened to him, I would, I would share that embarrassment. I would, I would put him in the next room so people wouldn't see him when he got to a certain point. I would go and pick him up when he was too drunk to drive. I would make sure he was taken care of. He was my dad. I could call him a drunk, but don't you call him a drunk. That's my dad. And I own so much of his stuff. So I drive to the hospital. My father's had a heart attack. And I say, God, I'm going to fast. I've always fixed stuff for my dad. And you're going to keep him because I don't know where he's at with you. I haven't really heard him praise your name lately. Haven't heard him acknowledge you as the one God. So I started a fast and, you know, fasted for, I don't know, five days, six days. My husband flew back home and eventually, eventually they had to make the decision to take him off of life support and let him go. My father's friends confronted me during this. You're not eating. What's up with that? I had all these conversations, and it was really the enemy trying to bring me down. So I went on with life, but I buried this deep, deep stone. And I had this relationship then with my Heavenly Father, and I deflected so much of what I'd had with my natural Father towards my Heavenly Father. And it wasn't until many years later at this prayer and fasting conference, and I was reminded at this conference, of when God brought up that big stone and he talked to me. God talked to me about how much he loved my dad. It wasn't God's fault. And it wasn't my fault. And there's absolutely nothing I could do about it. And Fasting is not a bargaining key with God. If I suffer and do this much suffering, you are going to do this, oh God. There was so many layers during that time that I learned about prayer and fasting. And he told me, I am not your father. I am not your dad. And I was reminded of from that time forward, I want to be like my mom. I want to be like my dad. I stopped making some of the whiskey and Cokes. He learned how to, you know, he taught. I, there's some things I just let go, you know. But, and I never mean to speak ill of them. But now, once my heavenly father, instead of seeking the energy of what created me by nature, I seek what has created me 
by the Spirit, my maker, my maker, my maker, that breath of life. And every once in a while, it'll crop up. Stuff will happen to my family, to people I love very much. And I will try and rescue them from the pain. I will bargain with God. I know you can heal. And I love this person so much that I'm the vessel. I'm the conduit. I'm going to talk to you, God, about taking care of this situation. When God has all things in control. Now, what goes on with my husband, I own. We are one. Therefore, we check in with each other before we do stupid things. And we decide if we do stupid things together or not do it at all. But concerning my children, concerning my, my parents, concerning my family, concerning my loved ones, God allows things in their life or they just make a, a, a decision that is not so good and I cannot rescue them. I cannot, I cannot get mad at God. I cannot let these things come into my spirit because he's not moving. I know he's able. I know he's able. Brother, I know he's able to heal a fibromyalgia. I know he's able to bring complete restoration from a stroke. I know he loved my dad, but that's not my stuff. I see my kids go through, go through pain, you know. Some of it they bring on themselves. My kids never do that, but some of it, it just happens. You know, they lose a job or, or whatever, just out of the blue. Oh, no, 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 no. We can create a business for you. I know the, this guy's created 20 businesses, and they were all successful, and he keeps giving them what. We're getting in the middle of what God is doing. I can't rescue. I can't rescue. Because God is doing a great work. And I don't know why, but I do know that I was supposed to share the story about the stone with you today. And we can never think, I still go to prayer and fasting. I still... I still, even in my daily walk with God, in my private time, he brings up stuff that I'm surprised that, oh, is that, where'd that come from? I'm dealing with that. It's still there. We're still walking in the flesh, but we're seeking spiritual things. And if you were to look at me and look at my, my beautiful mother, my beautiful father, both of them that passed away much, much too young, you might see a little bit of comparison, but what I hope that you'll see more is I am the son. There's no gender in that. The son, daughter of my father. This morning, I, I was brought to the scripture of, I'm just going to read this one scripture to you. First John chapter 3, behold, 
1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should call, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So you can look at me and, and you would not even know that I'm my, my mother's daughter, my father's daughter. But hopefully, since that spirit of life has been breathed into my life, I draw from that spiritual, I draw from my maker and not the nature I draw from my maker. I don't have to, I don't have a crutch and said all this alcoholism in my, my, my family, that nature, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I understand it's in my family. And because my dad this, did this to me, I have this crutch. I draw from my spiritual maker. And the world recognizes me as a son, daughter of God. And therefore, if they don't know God, they don't know me. And I'm thankful today. I'm thankful for my dad. Call your dad, tell him happy Father's Day. Call your uncle, call your grandpa. I'm thankful for my parents. But most of all, I'm thankful for eternal life. And that I can lean into and know my maker. To know him is to love him and pray with him and read his testament and to be like him. We have a choice. We have a choice. And I just want to say happy Father's Day. It was, it was like, it was a lot of fun praying and fasting with you all and eating with you all. And, um, and uh, I want to encourage for those that weren't there, um, uh, listen to it. You can listen to so many messages online. I talked to a young man that was there, and he's kind of new in the church. And we had encouraged the church to, you know, fasting. You can fast on many different levels. You can fast music. You can fast what you watch. You can fast social media. You can fast what you eat. You can fast entertainment. This young man had fasted music and entertainment. He came to, and he'd done it a couple weeks ago. We've been building up to this for some time. He had such a move of God in his life a week ago, Sunday. It was amazing. And his mom asked him, have you done the fasting thing? Have you pulled away from some of the, the things that are feeding your flesh? And he said, oh, yes, I did. What a difference it makes. What if we just do that? We keep going that way. We, we think about what feeds our flesh and we avoid it. How awesome that would be. God bless you. God, your soul being enriched today, Lord, talking to you, does that, doesn't he? Praise God, he, he's preached into my heart through the ministry of the word today. Preached into my heart, I want, I want the plow working, Sister Skalumba. Working. I don't want it to hit something and go, let's back up and go around and just leave that there. Amen. Holy Ghost made a statement through Sister Schoon over there. But when she said it, it pierced through my spirit. I 
that. That's the key. Talked about the prison and Joseph and writing on the walls and the process of suffering and going through that marking days. You probably caught it if your spirit was open. But just in case, I feel so strong, we've got to come back for just a second. She said they stopped counting the days. You know how you know when you've turned a corner in the place of suffering? Is when you stop counting the days. And you simply trust. You count the days. I release the days to you. I'm done keeping track. Because you know what happens when you keep track? If there's any root of bitterness or anger or frustration or malice, your counting of days, it just builds. I know. It just builds. God, it's been 14 weeks and seven days. God, I've been dealing with this for eight years, four months. Some of you right now, you are counting days. And your counting of days is causing you to hold on to that very thing that God is trying to get you to release to him and trust him with. You're saying, God, how many more days? And he says, that's up to me. I count the days. You start trusting me and stop counting. You stop measuring the days, weeks, months, or years. Trust me who holds the days, weeks, months, years. It's he who set time in order. It's he who makes time and marks time. He started time and he'll end time. Trust him with it and stop counting. My God. When we stop counting the day, well, how long? I don't know how long, but he does. It's the same thing the disciples wrestled with when he left. And it said, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And he said, it's not up to you to know the days or the times or the seasons. You're trying to figure out when God's going to do what? He said, that's not your business. It's not up to you to count the days. It's up to you and I to say he's in control of my life. Every day belongs to him. Where I am is his business as long as he knows. And I promise you he knows. Stop counting the days. And allow the spirit of God to direct your steps and your life where you are. Trust the shaping, the forming, the placing, the positioning. Stop counting days. My God. Come on, talk to him right now. He can change your season in a moment. In one day, Joseph moved from a prison to a palace. In one day, in one day, God took the kingdom and turned it 
when Belteshazzar wasn't in the right place. He shifted kingship in a day. You can read history. It says never a sword was raised, never a battle took place. The kingdom just opened the doors, and Cyrus walked in and took over the kingdom because God ordained it and spoke the word. I'm telling you, in one day, God can change everything. Stop looking for that day. Stop counting that day. Just trust the one who controls them. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Come on, he loves the lost loved one more than you do. He loves and cares about your family more than you do. He sees the circumstance in greater detail than you do. Stop counting the days. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. He's working where you can't see. He's positioned. Come on, why don't you begin standing on your feet, moving out of your pew, and talk to the Lord right now. Say, Brother Hart, when's it going to change? I don't know, but he does. When's it going to change? I can't tell you that. All I can tell you is stop looking at that. Look to him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you got a word from the Lord in a change, that's got to be enough. Come on, I want to open this altar to you right now. Find a place, talk to the Lord. Seek Him. Release, release the chalk, if I can say it that way, that you've been marking the wall with. Release those things that you've been holding on to. Come on, Sister Scootover ministered to it. Some of you are angry at God because you've been counting days and nothing's changed. Some of you are angry at God because you've been counting years and you feel like nothing's changed. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Itarabaito. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we're waiting on you. We're putting our trust in you. We're trusting your reconnecting of things in the proper manner. We're trusting you and your orchestrating of things in your time and your way. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My faith is renewed that you're in control. My faith is renewed that you know exactly where I am. My faith is renewed that you're working things out for your good and your purpose, that your timing is perfect, that your way is right. I trust you. Ah, with every situation, with every circumstance, I trust you. Come on, let's. Take me to that place, Lord, to that secret place where I can be with you. You can make me like you. Wrap me in. 
Take me to that place, Lord, to that secret place where I can be with you. You can make me like you. Grab me in your arms. Grab me in your arms. Grab me in your arms. Grab me in your arms.
keep talking to him right there where you are. Keep talking to him right there where you are, letting his spirit flow through you. Letting his spirit of ministry operate with you right there. Come on, let his spirit of ministry continue to flow and operate with you. It's happening already. Why don't you lift your hands across this place and exalt him? Come on, exalt him. Are you thankful he knows right where we are? He knows exactly where you are. Hallelujah. Come on, he knows your place. His eye is on the sparrow. How much more does he watch over? Come on, he knows. He's orchestrating, he's directing, he's working. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the witness of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the witness of your word. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. To all of our fathers, happy Father's Day to you. May God bless you with grace and wisdom to be the man of God you're called to be. May God grant you grace and wisdom and bless you today. Greet someone. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ.